Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. Hour number two of Light the Tower on the Horn, Jeff Howe, Cameron Parker. Cam, have you, like, rummaged through the freebies that we get at the station? Occasionally. Somebody snagged all the Nolan Ryan bobblehead dolls that were sitting in the back. Yeah, I was actually going through those for the show today. I'm going to get one of those Charlie Pride bobbleheads, though. There's about 40 of them in there. I don't think anybody's going to miss one. I don't think anyone even knows who Charlie Pride is in this building outside of a few people. Come on! Do you know who Charlie Pride is? A little bit. Okay. Can you tell me what Charlie Pride is famous for? I cannot. All right. He's a... Very famous country singer, but okay. So uh, you might want to go. Yeah, I don't listen. I don't listen to country, Jeff. I'm sorry. Hey, what was your homework for me last night that I forgot to do? <laughs> you said homework. You had me. You, you had some homework for me. Think about that. Marinate on it because I don't remember what it was. You asked me to do something. I did. I'll, I'll check back to the podcast. No, Hornfm.com. Hour number one will be podcasted uh, at hornfm.com shortly. Uh, thank you, CB, on the Specs text line. I've got that Steve Patterson tweet that was sent, uh, wow, a few months before he was abruptly dismissed, relieved of his duties as the athletic director on the 40 Acres. This was a tweet praising Jordan Spieth going into U.S. Open Sunday. So Justin tied for the lead at U.S. Open after three days. Hook him on Father's Day. Maybe that's why he got fired. Spieth won back-to-back majors and was like, listen. No. um, Wasn't wasn't that? He got fired for pretty much being an abrasive a-hole to a lot of people. A lot of people. I, I I haven't run across anybody that works in the athletic department or on the booster side Coaches, I haven't run across anybody that really has a good thing to say about Steve Patterson. I was telling you the one and only Steve Patterson story I have was 2014. I think it was the Fan Appreciation Day at the Irwin Center. You do the pictures, right, with Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong, very nice guy. Patterson, he's standing around at the, the corner near it. He's kind of away from everyone. You know, doesn't mm-hmm. want to be near the media, the fans and stuff. And my uncle's like, hey, that's Steve Patterson. I was like, oh, okay. The guy's going to save Texas athletics. Let me go meet him, you know, as a naive 12-year-old. Worst breath I've ever smelt, Jeff. I mean, damn, Steve, you got a Tic Tac or something? Brutal. Was that that just an outlier or was that from your experience? I don't know. I mean, I I don't recall Steve Patterson having just horrible bad breath, but... You know who doesn't have bad breath? CDC. Good breath. You know who I bet doesn't have bad breath? I bet Sark doesn't have bad breath. No. He's... He's way too clean cut, and I don't think his wife would let him. I, you know, like I'm pretty sure the missus might just you know make sure he's 
he's fresh and clean, uh, both in terms of what he's wearing mm-hmm. and uh, his breath. Before mouthwash, he yeah. House. yeah. Steve, did you use the mouthwash? <laughs> no. I've never seen. I, I don't know if you notice these nuances, Cam. I I do sometimes, depending. Like I, I try to observe like coaches' ticks during games. Uh, like Tom Herman chewed like an absurd amount of gum. He did. I don't. I've never observed Sark chewing gum during a game. I feel like ninety percent of the game, Sark is crouched down, looking at his play sheet. Yeah, and that's about it. See, we've seen Will Muschamp bleed from the face. Definitely, definitely seen that. Muschamp must have been the most fun to watch from a, a Texas football coach, right, during a game. Because I don't think, I don't think. I mean, Matt got heated a couple times, but nowhere near like Will Muschamp. There was. <laughs> There's the time he, uh, in celebration, he unsuccessfully tried to body check Brian Arakpo in the air. <laughs> I think he said on the 08 documentary on LHNS, the last time he's trying to body check anybody <laughs> is uh, is Brian Arakpo. See, I mentioned Charlie Charlie Pride bobbleheads, and now I got Specs text line. I don't know what those are for. I think those were just freebies. Rangers fiftieth anniversary. Okay, wasn't that something. wasn't that last year? Could Didn't be. they have their 50th last year? We, we have a lot of stuff from a lot of years here at the Horns. There's like some down. golden chick stuffy things back there, too. Yeah. My five-year-old is big into the stuffies now. She likes we, have, the, we have Rangers oven mitts. I that's Yeah, I saw that, that back don't, there. But I, they don't fit my hand. Like too And I don't have, like, yeah, I don't, I'm not, I'm not have Kawhi if, Leonard fingers. If it's my, my hand. Okay. My hands are like my feet, though. Like, I wear, like, a ten and a half, but it's, like, a double wide. So I have a hard time finding shoes. Nike seems to be the only shoe company that really makes the wide shoe fit well. They have the option. And then it. it looks somewhat presentable. New Balance is the same thing. That's why I love wearing newbies because it allows me to still dress like a frat boy, even though I'm removed from college, and also lets you uh, get the wide option on the feet because I'm the same way, Jeff. Uh, like this message from Stoner said, we fired a good number of abrasive a-holes. He was an abrasive a-hole that was terrible at his job. Okay. So not only was he not liked by anybody because of the kind of person he was, he was bad at his job too. Do we still have that blended 6% drop in the system? That might be on an old Brad Kellner file. I don't know, but like any time for a long time, Steve Patterson got referenced on this show. We're talking about raising ticket prices and it was a, uh, Talking about a blended 6%, which, I don't know. If you have anything good to say about Steve Patterson, Specs Tech Line is open, 337-3776. Bevo Lance Jason, as sharp as Sark dresses on the sidelines of game day, I'm not a fan of his sunglasses choice. Bevo Lance Jason, you're talking about the uh, the in-game sunglasses? That's a, I'm pretty sure, Cam, you might correct me if I'm wrong on this. I'm pretty sure... With the school's Nike contract, Sark just has to pick from whatever Nike eyewear is available to wear on the sideline. I mean, I'm pretty sure if the Nike reps caught him wearing Oakley or something else, I don't know what sunglasses are fashionable at this point, but I'm pretty yeah. sure it's got to be whatever whatever Nike has offered up to the school and the coaches for that year. He's, he's got to roll with that. If he was wearing okay, Ray-Bans. Bebo Lynch, Lynch Jason is talking about sideline wear. I'm pretty sure that's a Nike contract. Yes, it's it's so. Nike sunglasses. It looks like he's about to complete stage twenty-eight of the Tour de France, <laughs> like the uh, the fish eye, the kind of like the fish, the bug eye lenses. Yeah, kind of. I kind of that. I still dig my sunglass. My style of sunglasses are like straight out of like nineteen nineteen ninety seven. Like I just like those style of sunglasses. I once, you know, I've never owned a pair. Well, of- overall, it's about a blended six uh, percent uh, yes. ticket price increase. 
Thank you, Cam. We need to make sure that's uh, need to make sure that that's at the ready at all Blended times. Blended six percent. Blended six percent. Yeah. See, every, now everybody's bagging on Sark sunglasses. So I don't know, but anyway, uh, Cam, let's go ahead and get to this David Pierce audio from uh, post game last night. Craig and uh, and Coach Harrington were on the call last night for Texas and LSU at three nothing loss. LeBaron Johnson was lights out. David Pierce told us, told the beat reporters that uh, it was Friday night stuff anywhere in the country. And, you know, I, I talked to Jay Johnson, the LSU head coach, after the game. Cedric Golden and I went over and talked to Jay Johnson, and he was talking about LBJ. He said, you know, the, the big they, they knew he had a big arm. They knew he could run it up, you know, mid to high 90s. He said what really took them by surprise was his, his splitter and his slider were much, much sharper much much more potent pitches last night in person than what they had seen on film and studying him. So that's a credit to LBJ. And, and LBJ even said after the game he was really focused on strike one, trying to get ahead. And even when he got behind in counts, we saw him be able to work back. You know, if he'd start 2-0, 2-1, work back, get a full count, uh, and put guys away, a career-high nine strikeouts, that was unquestionably the highlight, but there were some lowlights anytime you lose a ball game 3 nothing. And this is David Pierce talking about all of that, the good, the bad, and everything in between from a 3 nothing loss to LSU last night with Ty Harrington and Craig Way on the postgame. Hey coach, obviously a great crowd tonight. Two traditional great powers in college baseball. The, the setting was, the, the weather, everything was wonderful. It was set up, was good. Obviously you guys wanted to win, but it's the number one team in the country. They they played well tonight, and you know what it is in games like this. It can come down to one hit, a couple plays that decided one way or another. And So your thoughts on tonight's game? Yeah, I mean, I think you summed it up. It was just a great atmosphere for college baseball. I mean, you look at this place and just the enthusiasm from, from the fan base, both fan bases, and then uh, the number one team in the country for a reason. That's a really good baseball team, and we punched them out 16 times, and it says something about LBJ and some other guys in the bullpen, but, you know, we just got to keep getting better. I think we had a great day of our uh, pregame work, and that's our goal. We're going to keep getting better, and we're going to keep grinding it out. And LBJ was unbelievable tonight, obviously. Tell tell us what the transformation has been in your mind to get him to where he was. Number one team in the country to punch out that many guys from where it was a year ago to today that the transformation moving forward with him has been what yeah you started seeing some signs he went up to the cape this summer and then um, you know i think he he and woody have just hit it off really well such a great bond there and they added the split to go with the slider and his fastball and i just give both of them the credit they've done a great job together no rest for the weary. A couple days of practice, and then you go hit another historic program in Fullerton in California. Tell us your thoughts moving forward. Yeah, it's a, it's a challenging week for us. Uh, we're excited to go out. Um, our typical Wednesday workout tomorrow and then turn around on Thursday and fly out. We get a practice on, on their facil- at their facility and, you know, get ready to compete Friday. I'll go back. By the way, big shout-out to, to Coach Harrington for, uh, for the great job with that post-game interview. Uh, Coach and Craig were on the call last night. My thing with this baseball team, Cam, and I agree 100% with what Craig said, this thing's not going to get flipped overnight. It's definitely a work in progress. You've got a, a portion of the schedule coming up where you've got some winnable games. You know, Fullerton's, Fullerton's a solid team. That's that's not the Fullerton team. It's not the, you know, the great teams Augie had or the great teams George Horton had not that caliber of opponent, but Fullerton's still 
good, solid opponents, traditional power. If you go win that series, Texas fans, I think, will respect it just because it's Fullerton. But after the Fullerton series, you're hitting a portion of the schedule where it's Sam Houston, Mercer in a double midweek, the double midweek with Sam and Mercer, three-game series against Manhattan, double midweek with North Dakota State, three-game series with New Orleans, and then a midweek against UIW before Texas Tech comes into town the 24th, 25th, and 26th for a three-game series, and then you've got the midweek with A&M. So you've got two series and a couple double midweeks to really figure some things out and maybe at the same time pile up some wins. I say all that to say this, Cam, my thing with this baseball team is by the time they get it figured out and at least get to a point where they've got an identity and find some things offensively that they can hang their hat on, is there still something to play for by the time they get it figured out? I don't know that they'll get it figured out by the time conference play comes, but if they do, that would be great to really find themselves, start piling up some wins, and and have some confidence going into conference play. But, man, if it takes you a couple series in a conference, like you've got a really tough stretch where you're hosting Tech, you're adding it in for the midweek, and then you end March and begin April with a three-game set at Oklahoma State. So you – You've got you're about you're gonna hit another one of those runs before you know after this this run here with ending with this Fullerton series and going to those games I just talked about. It's similar to the 2019 season, right? Where you kind of started off slow and then you had some weird Tuesday, Wednesday non-conference games that Texas dropped, and it went from okay, like what are we going to be as a team to are we going to even make it to the postseason? Feel the same way, but your four losses are to the four best teams in the country. And I think the pitching, which, you know, some of it was a question mark besides Lucas Gordon and Steely coming in. LBJ, after a disappointing year last year, Jeff, mm-hmm. looks incredible. A shutout performance here the night. David Pierce was asked post-game, believe, like, is it too early to think about maybe LBJ beating being a weekend starter? And he's like, no, it's not too early. And I think yeah. what he's shown has been incredible. Obviously, it's tough for Dre to give up that three-run homer, you know, tough situation after Chris Stewart, you know, walked two guys ahead of him, and then Dre ended up folding the next two guys behind him. I think the issues, you know, it's just offense, right? Is Eric Kennedy had a good game, but besides that, who is that next guy that can help Texas? Because it's great that you held LSU scoreless for eight innings, but it's not great when you don't score any runs. I mean, Garrett Gilmet, Porter Brown, and Dylan Campbell last night combined 0 for 10 with three strikeouts. Yeah. And last night, I mean, you look at the situational hitting. Craig and I talked about that in the first hour when we had Craig on. Uh, runners on base, 0 for 7. Runners in scoring position, 0 for 3. Uh, you know, you didn't have a single at-bat where you had a runner on third and less than two outs. One for eight in advancement opportunities. So, yeah, just situational hitting, just not good. I mean, you saw at one point, you know, Jared Thomas popped a bunt up that yep. wasn't out. Uh, Kennedy, Kennedy got down that bunt, successful bunt, uh, late in the game. And it's it funny talking to Jay Johnson. He's like, you know, we, we practiced. He said their Monday practice, a lot of it was devoted to fielding the bunt, specifically against Kennedy because they knew he was a really good bunter. Uh, and Trey Morgan just had a brain fart, right? He probably, probably shouldn't have fielded it because the ball might have rolled into foul territory. But he picked it up, and instead of firing it ultimately in the right field, probably should have just eaten it. But Kennedy winds up at second, but Texas doesn't score anyway. Yeah, out of that. So yeah, it, it, just a rough night offensively. I, I I do feel like there's some guys like we we've seen Porter Brown do it. And, and look, like Craig said, you got to credit LSU's bullpen too, uh, because 
Best team in the country. Ockenhausen was dominant, 3.1 innings, 4Ks, one hit allowed. I mean, then you got Christian Little coming in there. I think he came in the game 5.2 innings, had nine strikeouts coming in the last night. Uh, he goes 1-2-3 in the ninth. And and once you know once Thatcher heard after that first inning where he walked a couple of guys, kind of really settled in and, and was good over the four and two-thirds that he went, allowed three hits, walked three, but he struck out four, one wild pitch, but again, kept Texas off the scoreboard. So uh, that LSU pitching staff was really good last night, but Texas got to figure some things out. I, you know, we've seen Porter Brown do it. We saw Dylan Campbell do it last year. There are guys in this lineup that are capable. The guys that I worry about are, you know, a guy like Jack O'Dowd, who didn't play a ton last year, you know, Jalen Flores, uh, Jared Thomas, even a guy like Max Ballou, if he's going to step into that DH spot, Jaden Duplantier, you're young guys that really haven't been, haven't had a chance to do it yet, those newcomers. And for a lot of these guys, Cam, especially the guys that play travel ball or, or mm-hmm. came from high school programs that won a lot, this is kind of the first time they've really yeah. struggled probably. Some of them, maybe for the first time in their baseball lives, have really struggled. The mental piece for those guys is, is, is important. It's important as much as anything else mechanically or, or whatever. The, the mental piece has got to be sharp. But, you know, when you talk about the mental piece, that's why I think Woody Williams was such a good hire. Because I think people forget this. Like, Woody Williams came up as a position player before he, he, before he made that transition to being a full-time pitcher. So he knows what it's like at the pro level to try to hit and, and how tough it is. And obviously with his major league experience, uh, he knows what it's like to struggle. And that's where Tulo was so big for guys during the time he was there. So I think picking Woody Williams, Steve Rodriguez played pro ball. So he knows what it's like to struggle at the professional level. So I, I think the mental piece for those young guys, the new assistants being able to relate to those guys, that's going to help. That's going to be the key for me for those young guys, maybe getting over and clearing that hump and being productive guys. Because I'm with Craig. You can see it. You see it from a Jared Thomas. You see it from a Jalen Flores. You see some of the tools. It's just can they put it all together? And when they do, is there going to be something to play for? And shout out to Mike Hards. Mike Hards is a P1 of this program, Cam. I don't know if you knew that because Hards uh, always, man, I always managed to get a good dispatch. Straight from out, Hards. Don't sleep on Sam Houston," he said. "They find barrels. That's been a that's been a really good program, a really good mid major program for a long time." Charlie Hurley, the USC transfer, looked good last night. I think he's been a pleasant surprise. He had some good moments against at USC. Had some bad moments, but he seems like someone that Pierce can hopefully rely on. If you I mean you go against the LSU lineup and you don't get beat to death, then that's a plus sign for me. Now, there's another thing, Jeff. I saw a stat last night on Twitter, and I don't know if you can confirm it, but so far this season. Texas with runners in scoring position, 11 for 60. Is that correct? Yeah, because I think they were 11 for 57 coming into the game. And they were, this is with runners in scoring position. What did you say, 11 for 60? It was 60, 60 plus. Around around the 60. I mean, it went up last Getting night because Porter Brown yeah, at least one. I think they were they were eleven for fifty seven coming into the game, and they were zero for three last night. So yeah, that'd be eleven for sixty this year with runners in scoring position. So batting one eighty three. That's not going to get it done. By the way, if you need six degrees of of Mike Harge and the twenty twenty three Longhorns blended six degrees, uh, not a blended six okay. percent of degrees, but just six degrees. Actually, it's one degree. Uh, Steve Rodriguez, teammate of Mike Harge at the professional level. Arch had some good teammates. Yeah, Arch has been everywhere, man. He was over at Ron Rock Dell Diamond. He was up at Arch was in the press box last night. Came through and made his presence felt. Moneyball Arch. He was just he was just wandering about, wandering about the uh, 
the sweet level that that at UFC Dish Fog Field last night. All right, Cameron, you're up next because we got the flex update. We got another Longhorn notebook to get to. Uh, a little bit more before we pass the baton to Chad and Zay at the top of the hour. They'll take you through the midday. Then it'll be Mike Harge and my man Rod Babers with Ball Don't Lie from three to seven. Our live local programming rolls on, and we will roll on as we continue hour number two of Light the Tower here on the Horn. Live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Light the tower with Craig Way and Jeff Howe. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the Horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. All right, Cam, take it away. Yeah, so we got a couple of specs texts asking for a quick rundown of the scores last night, Jeff. We'll go ahead and start with the 6A. Last night was the regional quarterfinals of the UIL Boys Basketball Playoffs. And a couple great matchups. I think we've got to start, well, I mentioned 6A. So Rouse falling by two points to Veterans Memorial in a nail-biter, 46-44. So they've been knocked out. Veterans Memorial will play Miller. Port Arthur taking on Ellison of Former home of Mike Harge, uh, Hardball Harge. Ellison's yes, got it. The Fighting Harges. They got a great team. They're facing Port Arthur later on this week. They knocked out uh, AM Consolidated in their victory. And then Rudder and Fluggerville Connolly. I was out there at Cameron Yo last night. And Jeff, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to look at Makai Bryant. The story in that game is Kevin Holmes, who's averaging 26 points so far in the playoffs. Uh, Texas AM Kingsville receiver commit. I mean, he's an absolute athletic stud. But Micaiah Bryant, just a sophomore, had to go up against him. And, you know, seniors against sophomores, there's a big discrepancy, I think, in the Mm -hmm. high school level. A lot more conditioning, you know, a a lot more time to develop your body. Micaiah Bryant went head-to-head against Kevin Holmes. Bryant with 23 points. John Howie's first year at Connolly. Just couldn't handle Kevin Holmes defensively, but offensively, they were there to answer. And I think it's a, a great sign for Connolly going forward. A young young team, Kendall Wright, a sophomore guard as well. Micaiah Bryant will be back, and I think Micaiah Bryant is a kid to watch out for these next two years. But they fall to Rudder. Rudder will take on Fort Bend Marshall later on this week in the regional semifinals, and then Bernie Champion for Corpus Christi as well. 5A last night, the game of the week possibly. Yuta Johnson and Stony Point. Our own Say Collier was out there with Roger Wallace on the call for KBVO. Tied up at 21 early on in the 19-2 run from Stony Point and Coach Antoine Thompson. They went on to win that game by 19 points. Josiah Mosley again, Jeff. 20 points. I mean, that kid is an absolute stud. Beast. 18 points, I believe, from Sam McKinney. Had a couple three-pointers, but Stony Point just able able to pull it out. Uh, 18 points, Jeff, for McKinney. 12 for Hairston, but Josiah Bunton. I think he had 18 or 19 points, the the son of Paul Bunton on the coaching staff. He's a really fun floor general to watch him, along with John Eric Mosley and, of course, Josiah. So they advance to the next round. And then, of course, the San Marcos Rattlers, Malik Presley, 17 points last night. Caden Gums, 14. Rattlers knocked off San Antonio Reagan, 62-48. And now, believe, they will face San Antonio Warren on Friday. And, of course, Stony Point will be playing later on this week as well. And then I believe just some quick 4A scores for you. I think Fulcher was playing last night. Double-check that. Uh, Bernie and Somerset will be facing the regional semifinal. Silsby in Fur, And then Stafford taking on 
Pleasanton Center versus Washington at Bryan High School. Awesome job, Ken. Thank you for running that down, sir. Yeah, I uh, <clears throat> I keep talking about uh, 6A Region 4, and we're on the verge of, uh, let's see. Yeah, they haven't transferred that over yet. So we've got, like you said, Stony Point taking on San Antonio Brennan. And we've got Sam Marcus taking on Warren in the regional tournament. Yeah. Um, depending on what time that game is. 7.30. No, I'm talking about the Saturday game, whatever time that regional oh, final okay. is on Saturday. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't think I'll be able to make it just because of the time of the Texas-Kansas game. I would love to be there for a San Marcus-Stony Point regional final. And I believe that will be played at San Antonio's north side ISD, yep. which is a good facility. I think... Last night's Stony Point Buta game had 2,000 fans packing is that at, uh, Blossom, the burger. Blossom Athletic Center? Yeah, is the, the Blossom where they have okay. most of the state championships, everything. That'll be a fun game to watch. That's the, the Austin area updates. And, of course, San Marcos and Warren. So those are the two teams still alive on the 6A side. I believe 5A with Rouse being knocked out. They're done as well, along with Pflugerville Connolly. So you're looking for, I mean, Ellison, which is Colleen. I don't, do you consider lean part of yeah okay that's part of the so we got area. we got three teams yeah. in 5a and 6a for the boys that are still alive and stony point man it would be fun if we could get a stony point san marcos don't, matchup don't be having line. people on elms road there in a 254 getting mad at you cameron for leaving ellison out of the hey i'm still area. i'm still trying to learn geography here craig was throwing out random names yesterday in the flex segment i didn't know what he was talking about <laughs> elms road to ws young that's that's how we used to have to go to the clean mall back in the day Clean Mall? Clean Mall, yeah. It's the closest mall to uh, to Florence. Every now and then go to the movie theater in Colleen. Sometimes you make it over to Round Rock. Yeah. Get the not, a whole lot, not a whole lot in Florence, Cam. You either got to go to Georgetown, Round Rock, or you got to go to Colleen to get stuff done. So, Yes, shout out everybody in the Colleen Fort Hood area listening to the show. And wherever you are, thank you for listening to the program. All right, thank you, Cameron, for the Flex Update. Let's go ahead now and get to this hour's edition of the Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. It is a Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Erin Bowersock. She is your home loan lender. Bowersockteam.com is where you need to go uh, to get uh, the same easy process that Craig and Linda went through when they made the move to Georgetown. Craig has nothing but great things to say about the job Erin and her team did to get them into their new home. It is a seamless stress-free home loan process dealing with Erin Bowersock. Bowersockteam.com. She is your Longhorn Lender. All right, Cameron, we were talking about uh, Texas football in the last Longhorn Notebook. And just a, a little recruiting nugget to throw out there. Actually, I do want to mention this. I can't play the audio because I can't find clean audio of this. But Will Anderson, I mentioned Will Anderson earlier when we were talking about Kelvin Banks. Will Anderson was asked at the Combine who's the toughest player he played against in college. And he said B. John Robinson. Cam, I don't know if you can find clean audio of this. I, I couldn't. I looked on Twitter, and the clip I found, I just couldn't find a clean version of it. Uh, and I don't mean clean by there was cuss words in it. I mean, it sounded pretty distorted because somebody was shooting it on a cell phone standing back from Will Anderson. But he said B. John Robinson was the toughest player he played against in college. Uh, yeah, let's see what this audio sounds like. This is Will Anderson when asked who's the toughest player he played against during his time at Alabama. B. John Robinson, from the running back from Texas, he was a big back. We had the game tackle him. We had to get all hats to the ball. He was going to break a few tackles. We had to tackle him the right way, but he was probably the most toughest person I've played in college. Great job, Cam. That's much better than the clip I found, so good job on that. Yeah, that's a high praise for Bijan. 
I know Aaron Bucky and Aaron talked about it this morning, and we talked. We'll talk about it all the way leading up to the draft. The big thing with Bijan is, in terms of where he goes, the devaluation of, if you will, of the running back position. How much is being devalued? I don't think anybody's going to take a running back in the top ten. He, you'll see a lot, whether it's McShay or Kuiper or Daniel Jeremiah, whoever it is. A lot of these guys are going to have Bijan as a top eight to five player in this draft, just in terms of overall ability. He's probably going to be on the board by the time you get into the 20s. Yeah. Just because of the way people value the running back position or or lack thereof in terms of value at running back. It's funny to hear Stephen Jones say at the combine, "Oh yeah, we're we're, we're I'm not on the board with taking a running back in the in the top 10." Really? Good enough. That's hilarious. I'm not again, I don't have a problem with taking a running back in the top 10. I have a problem with re-upping a contract yeah. for a running back you take in the top 10 and making it impossible to trade him. And now you got to eat $15 million if you decide to cut them, which you're probably going to have to do. I'm still— You're going to have to do it. The, the Texas part of me really wants B. John Robinson in a Cowboys uniform because I think him and Tony Pollard would be an unbelievable duo. But the Cowboys have so many holes that that first-round spot. But, but that's a whole different whole different discussion we can get into, Jeff. But if you get rid—with the Cowboys, if you get rid of Zeke, you get rid of your Zeke issue— and Tony Pollard coming off the injury, running back suddenly is a pretty significant need. Yeah. It's just, you, you, I guess it just depends on what the board looks like. Because I think, depending on how things shake out, I mean, tight end, off-ball linebacker, uh, we know they're not going to draft a safety, so just don't, don't bring that position up. But <laughs> offensive line, I guess it would be of those positions and running back, whoever you've got the highest grade on, you're in a position where, hey, take the best available player based on your board. And if, based on the needs you have, if Bijan is that guy, then yeah, running back is a need. Go ahead and do it. When the Cowboys were at their best, the 20, what, 15, 20, 16 season? 16. Zeke, Zeke and Dak, their rookie year. Yeah. They had drafted three offensive linemen, I believe, in three straight first rounds. I think you do the same thing. You took Tyler Smith last year, you go back O line. Now, I think I like Jameer Gibbs in the second round if he's there on the condition that Bijan is not drafted by the Eagles. Because if the Eagles draft him, I think we got to like reset the NFL draft, go back to the first pick. Sorry, Chicago, because Bijan Robinson cannot be in our division, Jeff, I, the next four years. Uh, I can't I can't deal with it. Because I already like Jalen Hurts, and that pisses me off that I have to actually like Jalen Hurts against the Eagles, who are scumbags. And now you have Jalen Hurts and Bijan Robinson. And the one of the Kelsey I, brothers. I don't. I don't know if I. I don't know if there's a fiber of my being that can root for the Philadelphia Eagles. I just. I don't think there is. I would love if he ended up on the Chiefs, but I don't think the Chiefs are going to take a running back after Edwards Alaire in the first round. I mean, yeah, it, but it would be fun. Mahomes, <laughs> Bijan. Talk about just just give Patrick Mahomes more weapons. Give him maybe the best skill player in the draft. Why not? Just just do it. Uh, so that's kind of what's on what Bijan's looking at this week at the combine in Indianapolis. Cam, good or bad thing that he's doing all the on-field drills? Uh, maybe not good or bad, positive or negative. We talked about it on the Blitz podcast. I know Rod's talked about it on Ball Don't Lie. To me, it, it, I'm, I'm with Rod from the sense that he he's got more to lose than yeah. there is to gain by doing everything at the combine, especially. And I think if anybody could get away with it, he could because as close as pro day is to the combine at Texas, like Texas is pro day next week. Pro Day is next Thursday. Uh, a week from tomorrow is Pro Day. 
So, and I think a lot of these guys, I mean, I, I'm assuming that Overshone, Ojemo Coburn, uh, and, you know, Roshan, I, I guess, I don't know what he can do with the hand injury, if he can bench or what, but I'm sure he'll do everything he can do. I don't think those guys are going to test hardly anything mm-hmm. at Pro Day with just being so close to the combine, unless there's just a jump or something where they just, you know, might have botched or whatever. Uh, you could redo that. But I think for Bijan, the, uh, when we again, talking about this on the podcast, I think for Bijan, the five ten five and the three cone drill are going to be just as important as the forty, because it's just it's all about being able to the short area quickness, being able to miss make guys miss in a phone booth, all that stuff that he brings to the table. But again, I, I think the the combine winds up being confirmation bias based on how a guy's career goes. Like you know, what's what's one thing that still gets held against Vince Young when you talk about his pre draft process? The Wanderlick score, and and, and Vy's even said in recent years that he didn't study and prepare the way he should have. That wonder lick got held against him. If a guy yep. runs a bad 40 and, you know, it ends up being that he's not a game breaker at the next level, well, you should have known that. I mean, the 40 was bad. Or even like Jerry Rice, the greatest wide receiver ever, was like, yeah, man, Jerry Rice ran like a 4.8 at the combine. It's really like a four six five or something like that. But, hey, Jerry Rice one of the slowest wide receivers ever. No, he, he didn't run a great time, but it's not like Jerry Rice was slower than molasses. It's... It's just one of those things. I don't know. Like I said, it ends up being confirmation bias more than anything. But uh, we'll follow those guys as they go through the combine. I think Monday's probably when we'll have the big information dump from based on what happens over the weekend. My only thought, Jeff, is that the reason why he's going through this is because he thinks that maybe if he tests well, which I don't see how he wouldn't test well, it will rocket him up the leaderboard. Solidify him as RB1 in the even, But even make him top 20. Because obviously the whole point of him wanting to be drafted higher is more money, right? More guaranteed money. And I think with a lot of guys who will probably sit out, I know Bryce Young is sitting out the combine, and I understand why he's going to probably be the top quarterback drafted. Yeah. But for Bijan, I mean, he's going to be RB1, but like you mentioned, running backs aren't valued like they were 10, 15 years ago. So my guess is that their hope is, okay, Bijan will test well. And he'll go from maybe the the twenty five to thirty two to possibly twenty twenty five, maybe even cracking that top point. That's the only reasoning I can understand. Yeah. But I'm with you and Rod and thinking like you know w- there's more for you to lose than the gain, right? But maybe his team and himself think otherwise. What do you think Bijan needs to run in the forty? Like if you look at his forty time, what what makes you feel like okay, I'm comfortable with that? Like he's he's in the he's in the safe zone. What was he? Do you know what what his time was? Coming to Texas, I don't think he ever tested in the forty. That's the thing. I, I, I don't, I don't think he ever has like a, you know, a laser time forty. I think anything after of. four four would hurt him, right? I don't know. I mean, I, I think he could. I think he's got to be sub. I think he's got to be sub four five, even if it's four four nine. I think he's good. You know, my comp for Bijan this whole time has been Ladanian Tomlinson. I just think the skill sets are very similar. I went back and looked at it. Ladanian Tomlinson ran. Four four six at his combine. Just gotta remember, Bijan, whatever you know, for lack of a better term, like uh, I guess whether the spark score, the old Nike spark score, mm-hmm. whatever that would be based on his weight, Bijan's gonna be around two twenty, two twenty plus. And I mean, I saw a picture on Twitter last night, looking yoked. By the way, yeah, I mean, leaned up. So I mean, he could be in, in that two two twenty to two twenty five range if he's sub four five at that and. Again, scouts is loose. I, I think not. Not the scouts. I think the people that cover the draft lose sight so often of 100%. what. What does the tape show you? Can this guy play? 
you get so enamored with stuff that just at the end of the day doesn't matter. It gets back to can he play? I feel like kind of bringing it back to Texas. I feel like that's where Tom Herman staff kind of got lost towards the end with their. Now, they made some really good evaluations, mm-hmm. but I felt like towards the end they got so consumed with track times and measurables that I think with some of the guys they took, and you can look at it as most of the guys that I'm thinking of aren't, aren't here anymore. It's like okay. That's all great, and the size-speed combination, size-speed ratios, all that checks out. Three, three words, one question. Can he play? Can he play? What does the tape show you? And if the tape shows you that the guy can't play, then I don't care how fast of a 40 he runs. You know, like I remember the, the classic example that a lot of long, long-time Longhorn fans use in recruiting. Man, when, when Texas A&M took, took Toya Jones. Toy Jones was a big-time track guy. Oh, man, he's going to be great. Wasn't that great of a football player? What does the tape show you? Does that stuff translate to the football field? I think for Bijan, whatever the testing numbers are, I think it'll back up what everybody sees on the tape. I'm not, I'm not so worried. I, I, don't, I don't think he's going to run something like, you know, mid-four-fives or whatever. And, and you know, I, I, went, I went back and looked at some 40 times. Like, Cedric Benson was 4-5-5 four, four, five, five when he did his 40 at his pro day. But Cedric Brinson wasn't considered a game breaker. Bijan's considered a game breaker. So I, I again, I think if he's sub four five, he'll be in the safe zone. Uh, get to some quick feedback on the specs text line because we got to start wrapping up. By the way, shout out to my wife and daughter right now who are listening. My daughter had her five year old checkup today. Oh, Every, according to the wife, everything went well. So it says she's got the dog in her. It's good. To, <laughs> it's good to know. Uh, I I think you could say that about Charlotte. I've I've seen her. Uh, you know, at dance class sometimes. So yeah, <laughs> uh, she'll be in the pool today during swim class. So yeah, she she had that she has that dog in her a little bit. Uh, but no, no, it's really good to hear. Uh, says Bijan self-reported forty time is four four nine. I was trying to look back on his twenty four seven sports profile to see if he's got uh, a forty time listed. I don't think he did. If it did, I don't think it was verified. Give me just a second to pull this up. He's gonna mm. he's gonna test both J- Jeff. And I think when he gets in those team interviews, he's going to win over every single GM, scout, coach, janitor. <laughs> Bijan had no self-reported forty time, but again, I'm not I'm not too worried about it. Uh, so yeah, self-reported, uh, self-reported forty time. Uh, somebody said Vince Young is now registered for the NFL Veteran Combine. I got to look that up. I don't know about all that uh this texture says i also think with Bijan, he's just one of those guys that always tests well always fast 40s jump out of the building for vert probably stronger than your average running back he's gonna test well uh he knows it and his agent knows it that's the big thing Bijan's done a really good job of listening to the people around him he surrounded himself with good people that's why he didn't play in the bowl game if he if Bijan had his druthers he would have played in the bowl game but it was not a smart business decision to play in the bowl game you can question whether this is a smart business decision or not but he and his representation, if they're letting him go through with this, doing everything at the Combine, they've got to feel really, really confident about him testing well. All right, take a break, come back. We'll close out this edition of Light the Tower. On the Horn, live, local, and digital. On the Horn app and at hornfm.com. All right, so people are running with this Vince Young thing about the veteran Combine. It's from VY's Twitter account, but it's an article from 2015. A Bleacher Report article. Yeah, from 2015. Are they still right? Yeah, they're still around. Uh, so I just don't. That's just. Vince Young's 39. 
He's not. He he's not playing the same football. age. There's no. There's no way this is legit. I don't know why he tweeted that article out, but yeah, that was the article he tweeted out from 2015. It's, I yeah. don't know, man. I I didn't I didn't don't think, get your hopes up. I didn't think of Vince Young. I didn't have Vince Young comeback on my Light the Tower <laughs> Bingo card today. So, whatever, Cameron. Great job today, sir. Thank you, Joe. Don't forget tonight, Craig and Eddie Orn are on the call. Texas and TCU seven thirty pregame, eight o'clock tip here on the Horn and across the Austin Radio Network. Stay tuned. Chad and Zay are coming up next for the absent Craig Way for Cameron Parker. I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back tomorrow to light the tower on the horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.